Welcome to Lillipod episode 79, Real Love in Dating. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of Lillipod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Welcome, LilyPod listeners, and we want to talk about a very important subject today. Uh, it has a lot to do with forming relationships that will last. Uh, the title of our episode is Real Love and Dating, and just the title makes me think about a woman I had a relationship with on and off for uh, three years-ish. Uh, during my mid-single dating life. And she and I broke up no less than about four or five times. I don't remember exactly, but it was always her idea. And then we would begin associating uh, after that and ultimately fall in love again and start dating again. And then we would break up. And I remember after about the third time, I was just so frustrated with this dynamic and what was happening and kind of angry with her. And uh, I remember driving up into the mountains to sort of ponder the situation. And the thought that occurred to me was, she is more important than my agenda for her. I was frustrated because I wanted a relationship with her that she had chosen out of. And that's an understandable frustration, but also uh, I think when we, when we feel like we have very positive feelings towards someone until we don't get what we want and then we're angry and frustrated that isn't necessarily real love. So, uh, Kathy, do you have any thoughts on, on real love and dating? I do. And I think you gave a really great, uh, introduction to this topic. When I started dating intentionally in my mid single years, I really wanted a foundation of friendship with my eternal companion, whoever I found that to be, which ended up being you. Right. And I would, I wouldn't base breakups or transitions of relationships based on this desire, but I would notice when I ended a relationship, how people would respond. And it was very telling. It was very eye-opening and it meant a lot to me how a person chose to react. Right. And I can't say that I know that that means something about their entire character for their entire life, obviously, but just it left with me with a certain feeling. 
And that's something I want to really drive home for those who are listening and they're currently dating. It really matters how you leave things with a person in terms of how they remember you. And maybe that doesn't matter to you, but it mattered to me. And I personally wanted to be, I wanted to remember the good times with a person and not have it tainted by the transition of the relationship. And I think the reason it was so important to me is in my first marriage, which was 14 years long, I always had this sense that if we weren't married, if he didn't have an obligation to be nice to me, he wouldn't. Right. And it turned out to be true. Once we got divorced, he's not that friendly. Uh, I mean, he's a really great father and he's good at communicating with me. And we, you know what, we, we're a good co-parent, co, co, co-parenting team at this point where we've worked that out, but we're not friendly. Right. And I couldn't make it happen if I wanted to. Right. So Kathy, how do you suppose a, a person that is um, going through a rough transition like that, where they really maybe had a lot of hope and strong feelings about the relationship and the other person maybe doesn't feel the same way and breaks up with them. How do you recommend the person work through those feelings without lashing out or, you know, becoming very uh, hostile toward their partner? That's a good question. I have several clients dealing with the, the heartache of breaking up. And of course my heart always goes out to them because sometimes when you have a lot of high hopes in a relationship or you're in a dating relationship for a long while, it can feel just as awful as a divorce sometimes. Ah, I've been through that. Mm -hmm. So I've been through that with you (laughs) and we'll get to that. (laughs) But I, you know, I, I think that the rule in our marriage that I believe is one of the keys to divorce proofing marriage with our, the timeouts that we take when we're emotionally flooded, I think that needs to apply to any uh, transition of a relate, a dating relationship, because when we're emotionally flooded, when our heart beats over a hundred beats per minute, we aren't, we are, we're in fight or flight. We are not in a place to resolve anything. And as tempting as it is to do something about it right the second we feel it, we should refrain from communicating with that partner, uh, except for when we feel peace. And the thing about transitioning a relationship is that we can wait until we feel peace. We don't have to send that text. We don't have to send, you know, call that person. We don't have to be in their presence. We can make sure we're just communicating when we're feeling peaceful. Right. And, you know, maybe you're with the person at the moment and they announce that they want to break up and you you talk for a minute. But as you talk together, you start to feel more and more triggered. And and it may feel like, well, if I don't say what I feel I need to say now, I won't get another chance because he or she is going back to their own life and we won't have very much contact and so forth. And and I would suggest a couple of things on that. Number one, like Kathy said, when you think I have to make this decision right now, I have to say these things right now, 
that is rarely true. Even if you were not going to have another chance to get together with the other person uh, in person, you could always put those things in a letter or a text, or you could uh, call the person on the phone. Or if it's one of those situations that no contact is better, you can also write a letter that you don't send and you can process through your emotions. And it's not usually as ideal. Usually I think we all like to have some closure, but it, you know, it doesn't always, that opportunity is not always possible. And I was about to address closure because yes, it's ideal if you're, if breaking up is a foregone conclusion, um, closure you know, can be helpful. It can help shorten the time of grieving that you're going to have. But ultimately, your feelings, your grief, your mental health does not depend on another person giving you closure. Uh, I mean, in my first marriage that went on for 15 years, my former wife and I never sat down and had a conversation about why this was happening. Now, I wanted to, but we never did it. And uh, there were times when I really wanted to be able to say some things and, you know, release some feelings and so on. But my internal peace does not depend on what anybody else does. You can forgive someone even if they're not sorry, even if they don't say the right words or even if uh, they don't give you closure. Well, and I'll even throw in that we're responsible for our own emotional well-being, no matter what anyone else chooses. Right. So it kind of has to be that way. Right. It's and a gift, basically, when we get a chance to have to things worked out the way we want to with a former partner. And I remember in the latter stages of, of that first marriage that I was talking about, uh, saying to her one day, you know, can't, can't we talk about this? Can't we, you know, and I wanted to like work things out. And she said something to the effect that I can't help you. There's nothing I can say that's going to make you feel better. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's right. That's right. She really can't have this conversation with me. So if I determine in my own mind that the only way I'm going to feel better is if my former spouse or my former girlfriend or whoever, uh, if they have a conversation with me and they say the right things, well, that's making me hostage to their behavior, which, you know, is not fair to them and it's not really uh, best for me. So... So I think that's important. I think where we began with this conversation, of course, was the idea that we want our partners to be happy, whether or not it's with us. And that's... That's real love. And that's that foundation of friendship where you care about the person even if things didn't go the way you hoped. Even if they choose out. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of genuine and sincere friendship, obviously, that I ultimately wanted as a foundation for my future marriage with 
a mutual feeling of, I want you to be happy, even if it's not with me. And I want to be happy, even if it's not with you. Well, and we know from experience that Kathy broke up with me just to test me to see if I would <laughs> treat her nicely. We know that's not true. It wasn't to test you because I, I do think that would be manipulative, but I was able to observe how you reacted. <laughs> how did you react, Jeff? I was not a happy camper. Um, <laughs> he did. He didn't really know about the, when my heart rate is a hundred beats per minute, <laughs> I should maybe not work on solving this right the second. Well, and, and I was probably partaking of the thing that I said a minute ago about uh, sometimes you think, okay, I've got, this is my chance to say what I feel I need to say to unburden my heart. Uh, Which and, dumped on mine. <laughs> right. And I, I think I was probably thinking, okay, I'm not going to get another chance to say this stuff. So I just need to say it right now. And neither of those things were were really true. I mean, I could have waited to, to say what I wanted and thought it through a little more. Uh, and I didn't necessarily need to vent to Kathy in that moment. That's how it very much how it felt. Well, but. and let me just throw this out there for anyone. And let's face it. We've probably, I, I think everyone who's da ever dated has, has done the transitioning, meaning made the decision this relationship isn't working. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, they, they recover faster because they chose it. And I've seen that to sometimes be true and sometimes not. But the point I want to make here is that we should be respectful of the fact that even a person making that choice is is probably also still in pain, even if they might not seem like it, even if they seem indifferent. I think there's always some pain involved when there's a relationship transition, a loss of hope in something that we wanted to work out. Even if we make the decision, it can be painful. Right. And let me address the pain a little bit, uh, because I think if I've been very invested in a relationship, of course it's going to hurt when it ends or if it ends. Um, that That's a, a foregone conclusion. I think where we sometimes get in trouble in, in that breakup scenario is when we're reading more into it than there really is. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to believe that our thoughts and suspicions and whatever are really true. Oh, she must have found a different guy that she likes better. Maybe he has more money than me. Maybe he's more handsome than I am. You know, there's all kinds of things that can go through your head about what's wrong with, you know, what she thinks or he thinks is wrong with you. And, and it may, there may even be a certain defensiveness in it and thinking, I'm a better catch than whoever it is she might be, you know, dumping me for or whatever. And, and maybe you don't even know who it is. Maybe you just sort of suspect. And I know when or maybe I, it's no one, I know that when I broke, when Kathy broke up with me, uh, I suspected that there was another guy and I had suspicions about who it was. 
And, you know, the next guy that she dated seriously was not the person I was thinking. So it was a story I was making up that my brain was making up. Based on limited information. Right. Uh, and and I think sometimes we think we perceive a lot more than we really do. A lot of what what we think we perceive is just trauma talking to us. And yeah, although I do think as humans, we are good at tracking. So we can track emotions and we can track behavioral changes and things like that. But then we try to put meaning to them and that's where we get <laughs> all, all jumbled up. Right. And then beyond, beyond that, there's judgments. And like I might think, well, Kathy never really gave me a chance or, you know, whatever I might think or, or believe Kathy mishandled this relationship and then she broke up with me. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things I might, I might think, uh, judgments I might put on it when maybe it's just that the other person made a decision that they thought was best for them. And, you know, it's not, that's probably more likely true. Right. Almost always. And it's not necessarily personal. It's maybe that they just want something different from what we're offering. And so I, I think that's an important element to consider also. And in, in terms of real love and dating, well, what if I approach it from the perspective that nobody owes me a chance, nobody owes me a relationship, nobody owes it to me to marry me. That's not the way the, the world is. It's not created like that. You don't get to just go out and earn it and demand it. And I think we, we are tempted a lot of times, you know, with our belief in the law of the harvest and all that sort of stuff, that we can just demand it and whistle it up because we deserve it. We've earned it. We've put in the effort. Now, you really should step up and love me the way that I want you to. And, and that's not real love. Yeah. And nothing like that is guaranteed. You don't get to earn it. You don't get to demand it. You know, it's, it's something that has to be freely chosen by both people. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. And in addition, I'd, I'd just like to say that because there's all these thoughts that can come, all these judgments, especially the negative ones, it, our, our minds are trained to focus on the negative because we think it's more important information, just like a fire. Right. <laughs> you know? um, and, but it doesn't make it true. And it doesn't make it any more real than the good things. And so I think as much as possible, when a relationship is transitioning, balance your perspective between the good experiences you've had and the concerns. And along with those concerns, balance your a healthy sense of self-worth. Be gentle with yourself. Remind yourself of what you do offer a relationship. And although we are big proponents of making changes in yourself to show up better in relationships, right after a really rough breakup, when you're feeling devastated and sad, may not be the ideal time. Uh, right. You know, that I think making a commitment to do that when you're ready 
is a good idea, but I think we sometimes just need to self-soothe at those sure. moments. You know, I think another thing can kind of happen that that can blind us a little bit. And and that is, if I can describe this by looking back at, at dating after my mission when I was in college, um, if I had dated as long uh, at, from the time I got home from my mission until I got married the first time, as I did in my mid-single years uh, before I met Kathy or before I married Kathy, literally I would have been 29 years old when I married my first wife. And by Latter-day Saint standards, that seems like forever. And yet I married Kathy when I was 50 and I had been single for the, you know, the better part of eight years. And uh, so it's, it's not uh, altogether, I think sometimes we put expectations on well, what is the right time for me to get married? What's the right amount of time for me to be single? And we're really reluctant to say, well, I'm trusting in the Lord for this and uh, leaning not unto my own understanding. And I think I, I was even discussing this with one of my coaching clients recently uh, who feels like, you know, her, her youngest sibling just got married and that youngest sibling is 20 years younger than her and she's never been married and, you know, really feels out of place in her family. And one can understand that. I also think she has real trouble believing that, uh, the Lord really does have some kind of timetable for her. There, there may have to be an sort of intermediate kind of thought to latch on to because the it'll be in God's time. I think she has a hard time believing that. Well, and I'll just I'll just go just put in a little plug for imagination because lately I've been a really big fan of it. Our limited pasts, if that's what we're basing all our focus and thoughts on it's going to keep us stuck. But if we can imagine what we do want and believe it's possible, even if we haven't seen it yet, that's where we really get creative in our lives and attract that abundant mindset. Right. You know, I kind of want to get back to our story in demonstrating this real love stuff when you weren't very nice to me after, after I was, I tried to be so kind in my process of transitioning our relationship and you were really unkind. And I, and I remember thinking I was disappointed. I was disappointed that you would respond that way. And I thought you were better than that. And I was sad and it hurt. And, uh, ultimately a couple days later, I think you felt bad and you showed up with some gifts of your own for me. And that's right. that took me off. Three, no, two days later. Yeah. yeah. A couple days later. I, it took me off guard and I wasn't expecting that. And I really wasn't sure what to make of it because at first you had responded really nasty and then you were giving me gifts. <laughs> right. But I think it was your attempt at repair. Right. 
and I understand that now, but we weren't talking a whole lot. So it was really kind of hard to know what that all meant. But ultimately, you became a good friend to me in all of 2017 when we did not date. Right. So about six months of dating on and off for 20 in 2016, not dating at all in 2017. And then you wrote me a letter on New Year's Eve in 2017. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it right now. It, it demonstrated real love in dating to me. It was bold. You took a risk. You clearly asked for what you wanted and you gave me complete agency to choose without any pressure or coercion. And we thought maybe it would be fun on this podcast episode for, for you to share the letter. What do you okay. think about that? That sound good? Sure. Yeah. Well, the letter itself is published to the world in intentional courtship. And I, I debated back and forth with myself on whether or not I was going to publish it. Uh, Kathy was in favor of it. I thought, well, it's really personal, but uh, I think it illustrates a lot about how our relationship got to where it was going. So I will go ahead and, and read the letter to you now. December 31st, 2017. Dear Kathy, I have been pondering writing this letter for a few weeks, and I think it is time. After we broke up a little over a year ago, I needed some time to heal. But I loved having you at Errol's homecoming, Errol's my son, and at the art museum event and at several other things we have done together. But I think seeing you at John's fireside was surprising. I felt so happy to see you. It reminded me of the special connection we have. I felt the same way the night of the domestic violence concert when we caught up. I felt very close to you. Thanksgiving weekend, oh, sorry, I felt very close to you Thanksgiving weekend and loved being with you and taking care of you and Rebecca, Rebecca's Kathy's sister. I even felt this way the night of Emily's Christmas dinner. I told myself I would leave by 9 p.m. Several hours later, it was hard to leave you. Kathy, I don't know exactly when I came to the realization that I still love you very deeply, and I am in love with you too. Yes, Kathy, you. You are deep in that aching, loving, living, and spirit part of my heart. We didn't see each other a lot this year, but my feelings for you have only grown stronger and deeper. I have not loved anyone as I love you in many years. Kathy, if you still feel as you did on December 23rd, 2016, I have no malice. You do not owe me anything. But I have got some clarity on a few things that I have been thinking about. First, I was not conscious of it, but my deep feelings for you have held me back from moving ahead in other relationships. Both you and Rebecca wondered aloud to me about how much I got from our friendship. Rebecca specifically told me that I needed to make sure I took care of myself and did not cause myself pain. 
On the whole, I think I have managed to maintain our connection and friendship without allowing my heart to hurt over it. You have been kind and sweet to me, and I have loved our time together. Second, I am feeling like I need to move ahead in 2018. There is a path open to me, and I feel pretty sure that if I go down it, I will not be able to come back. I am not suggesting that I will cut you off again or that I will give you any ultimatum. I am just feeling... I'm just letting you know the status of things, because if you feel the way about me that I feel about you, it matters to me. Before I go down the other path, I wanted to see if there was another open to me, where there is history and deep love and amazing connection. If you still feel as you do, as you did on December 23rd, 2016, I need to let you go and give my heart somewhere else. I will be your friend no matter what. I always will. But if you still want my heart, I wanted you to know that you still have it before I head down a path that is most likely to be a journey from which I cannot return. I cannot explain why I feel this way, Kathy. Please just trust me and know what I am offering you. My love for you has endured a long time, and I take that very seriously. I value it immensely. I don't want to move on down that path without knowing, without giving you an opportunity to assert your own claim on my heart, which has really belonged only to you for well over a year. I don't want to walk into my future asking what if. What if I had told her how I felt? What if I had given her the chance? What if she had known how I felt? If I do move on, I want to know that I held nothing back and that I let you know how I felt. If you still feel as you did on December 23rd, 2016, well, at least I'll know. And I'll move forward with no questions and no regrets. So I'm putting it out there. Focusing on what we don't want creates chaos and turmoil. Focusing on what we do want creates clarity and peace. What I want from a relationship is warmth and connection, sexual bliss, companionship, friendship, and loyalty, a safe place where both people can be who they really are with no fear of judgment or rejection, growth and enlightenment. So this is who I am, Kathy, and what is in my heart. I think I know you better than anyone. I have heard your secret fears and confessions and your private pain and joy. I know better than anyone how the idea of commitment freaks you out. I know how you fear not being able to return my love and hurting me worse. I know the loneliness you fear and how you sometimes despaired of finding what you are looking for. I know you are a New Testament Mormon and a spiritualist and a truth-seeking love giver. I know you're one of the best friends I ever had and that you are the best book I never got to finish reading. You could have guessed it, but now you know for sure. What would you have me do now? As I said, 
I will always care for you and bear no malice, even if you answer differently than I might hope. Love you forever, Jeff. Now, ladies, if you got a letter like that, <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> it was handwritten. Yes. Just straight through. Right. There were no cross outs or erasures or anything like that. It was written in pen, so there couldn't have been erasures, but uh, I didn't correct anything going through it. It just sort of flowed out. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in so many ways. And like I said, you showed real love in that letter that you would be my friend no matter what, that you would care for me, that you would support my highest good. I mean, yes, you know, you would move on with your life. You'd give your heart to someone else if I didn't choose you, but you'd always want, wish me well. And I could feel that. Yeah, that was true. It's, it's still true. You know, another thing, because some of the languaging in that letter indicates that he read the book I gave him when I transitioned the relationship right before Christmas. It was my own copy of Remembering Wholeness by Carol Tuttle. And I mentioned to him that it was coming with my own loving energy because it was my own copy. Uh, I I hadn't gotten another copy I had back yet. So I, I gave you what I had because I felt really strongly about sharing it with you. And I think you reading it twice when we weren't even dating meant not only something about your character and your willingness to do self growth and improvement no matter what, but also that you were willing to receive from a former dating partner, even if she didn't choose you. And even if you were mad about it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, you know, rejection can feel very personal. And it can feel like this person thinks there's something wrong with me. Or, you know, this person didn't care for me. Or, you know, go down the list of things we think when somebody says, no, I'm sorry, I don't choose you. You know, we, we tend to personalize that, even if it isn't meant that way. And I want to make the point, though, in, in saying that, that uh, we've talked a lot about how people um, react when somebody doesn't choose them and that real love means that you will still want uh, good things for them, even if, if it's not with you. And while that is true, feeling that way toward them, wanting the best for them, even if it's not with you, doesn't mean it's not with you. Uh, there can be situations where like they, ours, <laughs> like ours, where we decide that the other person is the best thing for us. And we're much more likely to realize that later on when we've maintained a friendship and a friendly engagement of some kind that assures us that, you know, we're not hated, that we're not discounted and just 
guarded. Right. And so this is why real love and dating is so important because you never know what it could lead to. It's one reason it's important. Well, and then it's for our own well-being as well, because I also think that this is the definition of forgiveness. When I wish someone well that did me harm, when I hope that they go on and live a good life and make better choices, that's forgiveness. Right. So that's real love and forgiveness. Right. And I think it's the same concept. Right. Uh, if it does turn out to be you... You know, if, if what is best for this other person in their judgment is you and you feel the same and you get married, then your marriage is on stronger ground than if I'm being nice to you because you're giving me what I want. But the minute you don't, you know, there might be hell to pay. Well, that that's an unsafe kind of relationship to be in. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I think really the definition of love in some in some sense is how do I feel towards someone and how do I treat them when they disappoint me? Uh, because, you know, I disappoint Kathy sometimes. She disappoints me sometimes. Not, thankfully, not egregiously, uh, you know, at this point. But I, you know, even when when she disappoints me. I I love her and I want what's best for her. And I believe she feels the same. So. Yeah, it's a great, a great foundation for a marriage. And I'm so glad that I wanted that and that I observed that in my dating relationships. And I had a lot of really great relationship transitions where men responded very respectfully and kindly. And even though I know they were hurting, they were always a gentleman. Right. And and I know you had a few that uh, weren't quite so. Oh, yeah. I got <laughs> F-bombed once. <laughs> that wasn't fun. But I was like, yeah, yep, that was the reason I made that choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I know of one situation where the the person that um, Kathy was making that transition with, um, got upset, blocked her on Facebook a whole nine yards, you know, um, you are now ghosted and deleted by number, all that kind of thing. Right. And then a year later came back and said, you know what? I think we should get married. (laughs) Well, when, what he said was, I, I really, I, I blew it. I made a mistake. I, I wish we would have stayed in touch. I, you know, and somehow he got, he kind of contacted me through a mutual friend and he wanted us to give us another chance, kind of like Jeff did. But the problem is, is we hadn't been in touch for a year. Right. And And I I don't think that was probably the right relationship for me anyway, but this is where, this is why we encourage people to remain associates and remain kind and at least friendly even if it's just when you happen to run into to each other, it doesn't mean you have to be in touch. It can just be if we run into each other, then maybe, you know, maybe it's, it, it's something that could be explored again, but it's not something you actively pursue. And I, I, we didn't pursue it. We did not have any idea that we'd get back together. Yeah. And I'm nodding um, as Kathy's talking about this. Uh, 
I also think the other element to, to what she was just talking about uh, that she didn't say is that when we really resolve, and I mean at a deep level, uh, when we really resolve to care about the other person, regardless of whether we get what we want with or from them, we're training our heart for real love. We're training our heart for the way we're going to show up in marriage. And, and I think that in and of itself is very important. You might think, well, I'm, you know, I might behave badly toward someone that dumps me, but since my former spouse or since my current spouse didn't dump me, well, I, then I don't have to behave badly toward him or her. <laughs> yeah. Like I can only be nice to the people who give me what I want. Right. And so, um, what happens the first time your spouse wants to make love and you say, no, I don't feel good tonight. Wow. There's going to be some big fireworks and there's, there, there are innumerable situations. <laughs> yeah. There are innumerable kinds of situations where you can run into that in married life where it's not necessarily the kiss off, but it's, it's yep. not giving you what you want and, and you feel cheated and shortchanged. And then you have a lot of drama in you become the relationship. a disagreeable person. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, we, we say often that intentional courtship, the book we wrote leads to intentional marriage. I think the same thing is true of the title of this podcast, real love and dating leads to real love in marriage. Right. And, and that is true whether the person you're dating ends up being the one you end up with. Uh, because even if it's not the person you're going to end up with, like I said, you're training your heart for real love uh, by allowing yourself to care about the other person, even when you don't get what yeah, you want. You're building courage and you're building character. Right. <clears throat> you know, and the courage to love starts with the courage to heal and self-confront. And that would be true when a transition of a relationship occurs. And, you know, the courage to date and get into relationships requires a willingness to be triggered and right. to learn to release trauma when it comes up and right. see it as a gift rather than, oh, no, this is a red flag. Right. Automatically assuming that it means something wrong with them, but rather oh, this gave me an opportunity to see that this is still living inside of me and I want to let it go. Right. And it doesn't necessarily feel good when we're, we're emotionally triggered, but it is the opportunity for us to release trauma. Right. I, I'd like to say one more quick thing about self-confronting as I think it, it pertains to this subject on a deep level. What is the alternative to self-confronting? The alternative is blaming someone else. And, and I think it's real tempting to do that. Uh, whether you're dating and somebody breaks up with you, you know, you, you may be bitter and create a story with a long list of things that your partner didn't understand when they broke up with you or whatever. You can do this obviously with former spouses. And most of us have done that if we're divorced. However, a couple of important things about, about that. 
first of all, it's really pretty prideful to think, well, I, I did my marriage or my relationship really well. And if only I'd married the right person or been with the right person, I could have had a good relationship. And, and that's, of course, externalizing all of the blame to another person. The, the, the second observation ab about that is if you're externalizing blame, even if it's 80, 90% true, uh, you're not focusing on the 10% where you could have done better. And what can you control? Well, you can control what stories you're telling yourself and you can control how you think and act and right. feel. Which is what I was recommending that if you're in the middle of a transition that's painful, not to necessarily do that self-confronting right then, but commit to see over time the part you played that you could show up better next time. Right. I like the example that Dr. Greg Bear gave that when we interviewed him on this podcast. And he said, sometimes, you know, he'll be practicing exercising real love with his wife and he'll walk, walk through the room and she asks him a question and he sort of snaps a little bit or something. And he says he'll be in the next room, uh, continuing where to wherever he was walking and he'll think, ah, doggone it. So he'll walk back in to to talk to his wife and say, you know, I think I was less than completely loving just now. And she'll say, yes, you were less than completely <laughs> loving. And he says, she never lets me off. But he said, it's important for me to be able to go back and try to make it right because it, again, it trains his heart to, to be at peace toward her. And I love how he talked about how fun real love is. Right. And I have to say, I had a lot of fun dating because I was trying to practice that real love. And I hadn't, didn't even know about his books and his, his life's work, which is amazing. But I just knew what I, how I wanted to show up. And that's how I was trying to show up. And, you know, I, I, I kind of want to wrap up the podcast with the fact that real love dating can not only bless your life and the lives of those that you date. And when you're respectful and you leave things well, then they have good feelings in their heart and they might have more courage to try again, you know, in the future and, and build a better life than they might otherwise, if they have a bad experience, uh, you know, and it's so much more fun. It is, it is so much more fun. But there's also a, a blessing that can come from the potential connections between our friends and our former dating partners. And I, I don't want to go into detail about that here, but I'll just refer everyone to our most recent LilyTube video, Should My Friends Not Date My Formers? Mm -hmm. And then, and that's leading up to an interview that we'll be posting here about, uh, an interview we do with my best friend and her sweet husband and how they found love at last, both in their forties, never having married before. And he met her through me. Right. And we're big fans of allowing and giving blessings for the dating of friends and former partners who are good people, just not the right fit for us. Right. 
I, I believe that's really important, <clears throat> Kathy. And I, I think that in conclusion, I would say Dr. Greg Bear is right. It's more fun to love another person, even if they're not loving you at the time, than it is to be bitter, lashing out, demanding, whatever. So remember, folks, any time is a great time for more real love in your life. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.